0: We'll okay.
1: Teenagers, the show where we subject Gossip Girl and Glee to a level of scrutiny they definitely deserve. Except that there is no Gossip Girl and there is no Glee, so we are watching Skins, the British version, uh, not the not the American version made by MTV. Uh, I think that's going to be released in early 2011. Set in Baltimore.
0: Yeah, no, Baltimore, not that. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're going to do. That's good, where it really needs to be set. <laughs> <laughs> they're going
1: to do a great Skins the Wire crossover. Uh, I am Matthew Rather. With me is Jordan Stokes. Ryan Sheely is a douchebag. No, he's not a douchebag. He's just in Africa. No, yeah, it's exactly. He's he's busy blessing the rain and uh, can't be
0: podcasting. <laughs> no, that's like your one cultural reference to Africa. <laughs> is that you bless the rains there? Yeah, that you that you bless the. Uh, that you bless Mary.
1: Well, you know, I mean, a man walks down the street, you know, it's a street in a strange world. Maybe it's the third world. <laughs> Maybe it's his first time around. He doesn't speak the language, he, he holds no currency. Uh, he is a foreign man. Actually, it's not Ryan's first time in Africa, uh, right? Like, I, I, think he, I think he goes to Africa so much that uh, his significant other kind of rolls, <laughs> rolls her eyes whenever he's going to Africa and is like, Africa again? Are you going to Africa again? But uh, what Ryan told me was that the transcontinental, not transcontinental, the intercontinental, the uh, transatlantic fiber optic cable uh, that... Provides high-speed internet connectivity to a lot of Africa was actually cut um, by you know some accident, some boat or some something. Dolphins.
0: Uh,
1: <laughs> it's why we have to fish the dolphins up with our tuna and hack them into little bits. <laughs> um, yeah, that this was uh, that this was um, uh, sort of what happened, and so he does not have high-speed internet connectivity. So Jordan and I are here to. Uh, uh Jordan and I are here to hold down the fort. Um so uh welcome back to the show, Jordan. Welcome back to the country also, because you were away for a little while.
0: I was on a fact finding mission in England actually. <laughs> no, what <Yeah>. did you <laughs> What did you find? Chips are French fries over there. Oh.
1: Wow. Uh, that's the hard-hitting. Uh, that's the hard-hitting cultural commentary you can expect from our show. All right, we're covering the last uh, four, uh, last three episodes of the first season, or as they say in England, the first series of uh, of Skins. Which is the first half of the first generation, I guess, because sixth form college lasts two years. Each kind of iteration of the show lasts two series, uh, and then they then they replace the cast. So I think they've made four four series in England so far, and they are uh, uh, they're different casts. Though I guess Effie is a crossover. Uh, Tony's sister is a crossover from one to the other. So this summer we're covering the first. Um, uh, this summer uh, we're covering the first uh two series of skins and then we'll be back in the fall with gossip girl and glee uh puts me in mind of the uh, the gleeful podcast who were kind enough to have us on as guests i saw edward uh from the gleeful podcast log in to uh to skype so gleefuls if you're listening uh can't wait to get back in the fall and talk with you guys maybe have you guys on this show uh and talk about glee all right let's hop let's hop into skins we got some um we got some uh, listener feedback, uh, feedback, some emails to uh, tftpodcast at um, tftpodcast at overthinkingit.com. Uh, also, you can call or text uh, your comments. and We got a text message, too, that basically a is this thing working uh, text message about what a <laughs>
0: <laughs> what a. Uh, and now, <laughs> you know,
1: it is working. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it is working about what a Tony the- Tony is. Um, so you can text us at 20fatjog01, that's two zero three two eight five six four zero one. 285 6401 So uh, first email, this is about the, uh, the Tony Maxi blowjob while Michelle is watching uh, gay friend voyeuristic cheating on your girlfriend scene, um, which Ryan proposed that he and I reenact on uh, the last episode, and I had to rebuff him as, uh, as Maxie rebuffs Tony. Uh, Gab makes two points. It's a, it's a longer email, so I'm going to paraphrase, uh, and I hope I do justice to that. I mean, I hope I don't distort the point she was trying to make. Um, she makes two points. One is that... Uh, they're in roles tony and maxie are in roles that she reads as gendered where um tony is the the uh sort of the male aggressive assertive role and uh uh, maxie is in the the female passive um passive role even though uh uh even though it's tony who is performing the who or who is uh, uh attempting to perform or offering to perform the oral sex on maxie uh it's maxie who is kind of in the uh the female passive role because he's he's sort of the one receiving uh the the advances um the um and 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 then she makes she makes a second point that is that I think will be slightly more controversial uh she reads the scene as a sexual assault um and that that maxi is sort of the victim of a sexual assault. he's sort of blamed for it or he at least blames himself in the kind of classic blame the victim uh uh, uh sort of uh mind fuck that can that can happen uh in situations like this um yeah and that uh, uh you know and that the uh that he's sort of ostracized by the group um you know. Uh, Jordan, what do you
0: think? It's interesting, you know, um, on the the idea of them being gendered. I wonder if, like, I see what she's saying, but are we falling into a trap of assuming that in any sexual encounter, someone who is being passive is being female? Right? Like, isn't that kind of the uh, the, the the hurdle that you end up tripping over when you make that kind of claim? That is to
1: say, uh, that is to say, the, the, it's the sort of claim that seems to recapitulate the gender norms that it purports to undermine.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a very elegant way of phrasing it, much better than mine. I was like, you know, kind of, it's sort of like this thing where there are two sort of dudes that are coming at it from different ways, like man, and you have it, you have like multiple syllable words and everything. (laughs) Well, the, uh, a, that's a I, I liked how you phrased that. Yes, that's, that's it is absolutely. S- you go. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it recapitulates the gender norms it purports to undermine or purports to like to outline um, yeah, or, or purports are,
1: to yeah purports to decry, or does I mean does decry because you know like I I, I have a feeling that we all we all sort of right thinking uh, you know well educated progressive individuals I think we all would like to not be constrained by overly restrictive gender norms so you know we all we all decry them but you see when you say someone is in the but in often
0: the- yes. Yeah, yeah. quite often in the act of decrying them, we end up recapitulating them. You know, it's a a very tricky thing to avoid.
1: Yeah, because you can't, you can't, you sort of can't, you can't bring them up. Here's a a point. Is Maxie actually ostracized by his
0: friends? I don't really see so much of that happening. You know, uh, if, if anything, like Tony is certainly ostracized kind of inexplicably ostracized, considering all the stuff, like, this isn't really an out-of-character thing for Tony to have done. But I don't see people, uh, you know, being particularly mean to Maxie. Michelle is a little annoyed at him. Uh, Like, perhaps she's in the wrong there, but, like, understandably so, because as far as she's concerned, you know, her boyfriend cheated on her with this guy. Yeah, I mean, that's Um, not... I mean,
1: It's because he's associated with the cheating. It's not because he's at fault for it, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, like, she's she's definitely more mad at Tony than she's mad at Maxie, right? Like, she's not thrilled with Maxie, but she's more mad at Tony. Tony's the one that she really blames.
1: Yeah, um... You know, and and I think that everyone sort of... Yeah, and I think that everyone sort of blames Tony. I think Maxie feels bad about it's happening. I th- you know what I mean? I think it's not a... Uh, I think it's not his, uh, uh... the happiest moment in his life. But, um... You know but i mean you know i i don 't know i w- i 'm not so comfortable about reading reading it as a, as a sort of full on sexual assault i mean it 's an unwelcome sexual advance you know, and uh you know it 's clear that his uh, i i guess he doesn 't consent to it i guess in that sense it is uh, it is a sexual assault, but I would call it more an unwelcome sexual um you know, unwelcome sexual advance, right?
0: You could call it like sexual coercion, right? It's it's definitely not cool, right? And it's it's definitely I mean, you your your heart breaks for Maxi when afterwards he's calling himself a slut because, you know, this guy that he knows very aggressively pursued him and didn't really take no for an answer, right? Yeah, and, and, so, and I, guess, I, mean, I
1: guess sort of caught him at a, uh, I, you know, caught him at a at a bad moment when he was broken up about uh, being at odds with Anwar, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. But yeah, to, to call it, oh, well, I don't know. I mean, this is one of those things. Maybe that is what we should be calling assault, Right. How far I I should remember this, but how how far does it get?
1: I mean, do they even get to the do Do they even get to the point of actual you know uh, actual performing uh, <laughs> oral sex, or is it just uh, all um, Tony propositioning him?
0: I thought that they actually, you know, honestly, I, I'm having a hard time remembering. I, I kind of half-watched that episode, <laughs> much to my shame. Um, I, I think that, that he did perform, the, the, the Tony did go down on him, but Maxie did not rise to the occasion, as it were, because Tony wasn't very good at it.
1: Well, he's he's out of practice, you know. I mean, let's 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 fault Tony justifiably for his many failings, but um, not fault him for for, <laughs> <laughs> for for being bad at giving head to a dude. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, you want to? I, I, you know, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's sort of dickish. I mean, it's funny. We're not. You know, none of us is really sort of protected from unwelcome sexual advances, though, if they continue after the after the point that we've we've uh, sort of said no and shut the door on them. Well, then then it does, I guess, cross the line legally into something that is that is against the law and, you know, against the moral law that I think we would all acknowledge as well.
0: Oh, sure, sure. I mean, it's. I don't know. I'd have to go back and watch the episode again. It wasn't something that honestly I really thought about, and reading Gab's email in a way was an eye-opener for me. I'd have to go back again and see like, what exactly did we see? What exactly did Maxie say? You know, to what degree could this be considered an assault?
1: Um, I don't know. Yeah. To me, it sort of highlights... I mean, and I I would say that to me, the series kind of treats it... um, Sort of treats it the way it deserves by, by sort of Tony being ostracized from the group and, and Maxie, you know, though he feels bad, it seems like everyone understands that it's that it's not really his
0: fault. Yeah, but to a certain degree, this is just like the kind of thing that Tony does and Maxie got caught up in it. But everyone in that group has been caught up in the kind of things that Tony does. Yeah, hey, well, You know what was really interesting to me, by the way, that? is that at no point... Did anyone, that I that I saw at least, did anyone say, like, whoa, holy shit, like, Tony had sex with a guy? Right? Like, that, that's, like, not even really in, an issue, you know? Yeah. Like, it, it's bad because he was cheating on Michelle and because he was playing with Maxie's emotions and, to a certain degree, you know... I don't know, per- perhaps assaulting his body. But, like, the idea that he's crossed a line by uh, per- performing a homosexual act is not something that anyone even really brings up, right? That's, that, that is
1: interesting. And it kind of, you know what it reminds me of, is it reminds me of uh, Brittany and Santana, right?
0: Sure, yeah. Ungleed. But, like, their, their, uh, their homosexuality is just kind of there by the way. Well, and Which it's is interesting, and it, in, right? Exactly.
1: No. It's not it's sexuality that is uh, it's what Ryan and I call non-oriented sexuality. You know, you know what I mean. That is, there are these there are these homosexual acts, but they don't identify as homosexuals. And in the eyes of the community that they're in, doing these these things, you know, having sex with one another doesn't um, uh, doesn't make them homosexual.
0: Sure, as yeah. a category. Although this is. Um, I feel like this one is a little bit. Yeah, this is a little bit different because here it's, um, it's specifically like a transgressive sexual act, right? Sure. That Tony has performed here. It's transgressive because he's cheating. Um, I was trying to imagine, you know, Dawson's Creek, which I guess is the closest analog to skins that we have in, in US television. Like, if there was a moment there where Dawson, you know, happened to hook up with a guy. You know that the next few episodes would be all about him sort of being like, "What does this mean now and everyone yeah, but that would be like, that you oh see my that god what like what does this mean about his sexuality that would that would never have
1: happened um a that would never have happened b um there was a gay character arc on uh on Dawson's Creek, which was the the Jack Mcphee character who came in in later seasons um and uh uh, right and and uh, uh, care Kerr Smith, the actor's name, I think, and 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 uh, ended up being gay, which was sort of revealed dramatically, and it was sort of a big deal that there's a gay character, and he, you know, he's sort of mocked and ostracized at school, and it's a big thing, and it takes a lot of courage to come out, and and this is kind of casual; it's sort of by the way, it,
0: you know, it's yeah. sort of it's sort of for kicks, uh,
1: yeah, for right. Tony,
0: and that this is a. And, li- but it- by the end of, like, the next couple of episodes, he's back to saying, yeah, I really would like to be with Michelle full-time. And, like, I, I don't know of any show on American TV where, especially a male character, like, goes and has sex with a guy and then comes back and is like, he's not broken up about it or anything, but he's like, yeah, I prefer girls. Yeah, you know? well, that's, that's, I mean, th- there's that's a gender
1: double standard, isn't it? And you, I mean, you see it in pornography, right? Straight male pornography has lots of... Uh, lo- has lots of girl girl on girl. Uh, <laughs> there goes the sexism. I should say woman on woman stuff. Um...
0: <laughs> right, because that's so much less offensive. <laughs> and where is the. Uh... There's our title for this episode. Oh, excuse me. Woman on woman. <laughs> lady on lady. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Those
1: women are no ladies. But, uh, you know, but two dudes together.
0: Honestly, all pornography, Matt, is person on person.
1: (laughs) Well. (laughs) uh, (laughs) um, What were we even talking about? What are we even talking about? Whatever you Uh, do, do not visit www.horsecock.com. (laughs) Oh. <laughs> Sorry, that's that's terrible. <laughs> um, that's pretty bad. <laughs> so, um right,
0: that, that, but where right, is, women's, where, whereas women, whereas women, American sexuality, right? Yeah, women's women's sexuality is allowed to be a little bit more fluid right now because lesbianism is assumed to be attractive to the straight male. So women are allowed to kind of perform lesbianism in a way that. Men are not really allowed to perform uh, male homosexuality. Right. Uh, it's sort of the, we're working towards.
1: And that. That you, and that if you were to see – I'm, I'm sorry to keep bringing it back to porn. But if you were to see it in porn, right, um, uh, lesbianism could be part of straight male porn. But I, I don't think – I guess I don't see a lot of porn marketed at women. I, I don't see a lot of porn uh, – uh, you know, full stop. But I, I do have the internet, and I do get email. So you know, you can't avoid it sometimes, <laughs> <laughs> right? But, but, um, I, I think that uh, that male homosexuality would make something targeted at at the gay market. You know, you know, you know what I mean, and not also, dis- you
0: know, I've read, and this is interesting to me that there are there's like a, a community of lesbians who enjoy watching man on man porn. Yeah, you've read, which is uh, which is a little confounding to me because it doesn't seem like I don't I don't understand why they would be interested in that. But more power to them. Um, <laughs> and and I, I think that what we're kind of uh, what's interesting, and I wonder, is this just skins, or is it something about uh, like a European sensibility? Where Tony is allowed to have this fluid sexuality, and it's no big thing. Or is it? A, I mean, is it a British thing?
1: I mean, I guess you hear the stereotype of like British public school, which Americans would call private school, where you know there's all kinds of uh, there's a, <laughs> all manner of sodomy that uh, that transpires in that context. <laughs> <laughs> but that is sort of that it sort of doesn't make you gay. Right. I mean, there, there are people who are gay. There are people who are gay, but it doesn't necessarily have to do with that specific activity at that specific time of life.
0: And I feel very prophetic because it was a couple episodes back on this show where we started talking about uh, about Foucault. Right. And the, the concept of, uh, of homosexuality not being a, a category that a person is rather an act that a person does.
1: Yeah. Judith Butler has writing about that as well that, uh, you know, talks about sort of the, the per, makes claims about the performative nature of identity, which is something we've taken up talking about glee. But we should, we should move on. We should move on for this. Uh, uh, email, email or text us, you know, uh, Tony and Maxi. Um, Tony just being a jerk or uh, serious sexual assault? Uh, I mean, are we, are we misreading it? Are we, are we sort of being i don 't know from our uh, from our our position at the, the the long end of the the gender double standard, or uh, you know do we have the luxury of mis- misreading this you know i 'd love to hear more from our listeners uh, about it uh, next email this is from Alan who writes in and says uh, hey i 've been catching up on skins and made it through the first season. I think you guys could devote um, considerably more time to Discussing the glory and wonder of the awesome British cursing that goes on in the show, I've been somewhat struck by the difference between American and British cursing when it relates to gender stereotypes. For example, genital flavored American cursing—that
0: is a—that <laughs> is a—that's a great—that's a, great, a great phrase, by the way.
1: Yeah, Alan, good on you. There, I'm going to say it again. Genital flavored American cursing is pretty much divided along gender lines. Curses inspired by male equipment always. Um, seem to imply someone who is excessively ahem headstrong cocksure, cocky a jerk a total dickhead even a complete asshole for a variety for the feminine side, everything is more about being well ah, pusillanimous <laughs> It's not a word that you see in print a lot anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I nearly said I nearly said which is would not yeah, be
0: the good. the pun only really works when you read it <laughs> uh, like, when, when you're reading. If you say it out loud, then it, it doesn't sound like that. <laughs> um.
1: Uh, da, 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 da. This guy is a pussy He needs to quit being such a vagina And grow some balls Bitch, I guess, would be the exception That tests the rule Hey, <laughs> way, to, way to be up On your archaic sense of proof Alan, you're a long time reader of overthinking it Aren't you? Um, yeah, yeah Yeah <laughs> Uh, British cursing, uh, in the show at least, doesn't exactly fit that paradigm. A wanker is more like a loser or a fuck-up, uh, not a um, – uh, I don't know what it, What else. I guess wanker – I guess he's making – Alan is making the point that wanker uh, kind of maps to jerk. Yeah. Um, I don't know. A wanker is more like a loser or a fuck-up. A twat is a foolish person. Does American slang have any corollaries? Do we just not believe that a man's loserishness is due to his biological equipment, but the British do? Do Americans have any um, vagina-inspired oaths that imply, like, twat – Uh, Something other than Mere weakness or temerity Uh, What if anything does that say About the broader culture I feel uh, having grown up in the American Educational system that I'm familiar with names Like uh, uh, Sanger, Frieden, Steinem Um You know, I know nothing about feminist personalities from Britain, and I'm wholly unaware of what kind of shape the movement has taken over there. So he's asking a question about British feminism, which I don't really know about. Uh, I'd love it if you guys would look at skins from a gender theory perspective and talk about some of the differences, uh, if you know of any, between the American and British experience along those lines. Well, you know, Gab – fortunately, Gab came to the rescue with her, her um, sort of a very insightful email about raising a lot of problems about uh, uh, roles gendered male and female and, um, you know, uh, uh, the characters in that um, – uh, in skins, uh, I don't know. What do you think about the uh, What do you think about the curse words?
0: The curse words are interesting. You know, um, I I see what he's saying that like that wanker right does not imply strength in the way that dick does. I mean, when you call when you call somebody a dick, you are calling them many things. You are not actually calling them weak. Whereas calling somebody a wanker he is calling them weak in right. a sense, right? Which is I mean,
1: interesting. Is the I, it's it's sometimes fun to kind of unpack the poetic uh, you know the the kind of the poetic underpinning of some of these uh, uh some of these things like is a wanker weak because he can't have normal sex right because he's he's reduced to masturbation um rather than you know <laughs> rather than person hot person on person action. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly, exactly. <laughs> um but uh what i don't understand is the the vagina thing right because twat or twat i guess as they say it um is like kind of an all-purpose insult cunt in in the united kingdom i've heard is like not even necessarily such a bad thing to call somebody yeah it's like you know i mean it's, it's it's more it's more uh rude than hey dude to call somebody, like, uh, call somebody a cunt, but it, it's not nearly the strong curse word. It really is quite a strong curse word in America, right? Yeah. I would say that uh, he was asking for a vagina-inspired oath that implies something other than mere weakness or temerity. Like, calling somebody a cunt doesn't mean you're calling them weak. You're calling them... I'm not sure quite what. Well, right? it's I
1: mean, I, you know, I I think the context is different too, right? Like among among male friends, I think you can all you can call your friend a cunt almost in Britain you can do that almost affectionately, whereas in in America it's it's really a sort of uh uh almost a violence tinged uh derogatory term that's used uh uh towards women a lot, right? Mhm.
0: Yeah, or I mean, like, you could, you could use it towards a guy, but it's, it is, I would say that in America, it belongs to the class of swear words that are swear words among swear words. That like even with people with whom you are casually vulgar, you don't break that one out unless you mean to offend or, you know, if you're applying it to some third party who's not in the room to impress upon people that you are really, really angry and not interested in abiding by the rules of polite discourse. Which makes it I think I think that makes
1: it a precious commodity right in our culture, because we have we have that territory seems to be shrinking. Right. We have fewer and fewer and fewer of those. Uh, available. Yeah, to us. we come up with new
0: ones, you know. <laughs> I guess so. There's, I mean, there, I guess there, there's always a a further a further, you know, line to cross. The aristocrats.
1: Right? <laughs> 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 How dare you call me an aristocrat? Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess so. I mean, I guess when you consider that that language is essentially an a- empty bucket and we we fill it with meaning, right? That that. Um, that yeah, I guess you can. I mean, there there always can be a word that is sort of defined as beyond the pale. Um, yeah, this is you know this is interesting. I mean, it's uh, it's also interesting that you can you can do all this stuff. There's also you know nudity uh, on sure. on skins, and it's uh, it's it's interesting. I mean, I guess that I guess that. Um, uh, this is the digital version of Channel Four, so that you have to, you kind of have to opt into watching this, kind of like maybe, kind of like American cable television, where you know you need special equipment, uh, and you know, and things like this. Though honestly, I can't, I can't think of anyone who just has over-the-air television anymore. Um, uh, right, you have to, you have to opt into this. So maybe there aren't the kind of, and maybe the, um, maybe Britain is. I think Britain is obviously not quite as. Uh, uh, how shall I say, pusillanimous, um, <laughs> as, um, as America is with its quote unquote decency, um, uh, uh, decency kind of paranoia and witch hunting that, that goes on here. For example, around the, uh, the, uh, right, the Janet Jackson nipple gate, you know, um, uh. yeah. Anyway, so uh, you know, maybe it's a, maybe it's a sense of that, but they're they're just a lot. I guess they they they're freer to be, they're freer to 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 talk more like teenagers actually talk, uh, more like people actually talk really, and and they're they're sort of free to to show things that we can't see, like boobs for example, or like Tony's uh, you know, Tony's like naked naked man naked woman bedspread.
0: Mm-hmm. Sure, sure, yeah. yeah. And I, I do think, though, that like, we also should, in addition to thinking about this language as a product of British society, we should also think about it as a product of the writers. Like, there, there, are, there have been some moments where, in the profanity specifically, you can hear the writers kind of glorying in language and what language can do. Like, sure. My, my favorite my favorite moment from the very first episode is when uh, someone calls one of the characters, like, you complete an utter lower colon. And I thought, like, <laughs> that is just brilliant, you know? It's, it's not how people talk. No one talks like that. But I, I wish to God that we did.
1: Yeah, well, it's, it's Wildean. It's the great Oscar Wildean tradition of, of improving on... Human speech, and kind of famously, when the actors were rehearsing the importance of being earnest, Oscar Wilde's note to them was, "You know, you must make the, you must make all the lines, all the sort of delicious bon mots and, and, and witticisms uh, uh, appear as though they're just rolling off your tongue, as though as though you're just saying them spontaneously, though they are indeed meticulously crafted. You must uh, make it seem as though um, they were they were just natural to you."
0: So, by the way, speaking of Oscar Wilde, I think this will segue nicely into uh, to, to what, we, what I want to talk about next, at least. Um, I remember a couple episodes back we had this discussion of why Tony does what he does. And um, you know, I don't even remember which side of the debate we were all on. But one thing that came up is that maybe he does it um, as a, an aesthetic act that he's doing these things because he thinks that this is his way of being an artist. And I think that that was, that was confirmed, right, in these this recent crop of episodes, where uh, when, when Sid finally confronts him, Tony says, hey, like, I was bored, and Maxie was bored, and Michelle was bored, and now that I've cheated on Michelle with Maxie, none of us are bored anymore, right? Yeah. That, that, that is, he is essentially making art with people's lives. Well, he's doing, yeah, which he's... Is, uh, he's doing two things. I mean,
1: he's occupying people's time and sort of entertaining them or at least captivating them. Right. Mm -hmm. And he's also engaged in something that we also kind of consider artistic, which is an inquiry into the nature of the human experience. Right. How far can you take it? How big of an asshole can you be, uh, and
0: get away with it? Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, like, to to what extent will society's laws stretch to accommodate you uh, before before eventually you get booted out? Which is, I mean, it's, it's a very interesting moment. I think that uh, right up to there, I feel like Tony is a really interesting character. And then what happens after that, I think, is a bit disappointing because they try to redeem him, and you know, I'm I'm no big fan of redemption of characters. I've got to say. <laughs>
1: yeah it's true i i i i know what you mean um the The wire like most things, does it much more elegantly which is the, the, the right the wire doesn't believe in redemption it believes in natural consequences right um mm-hmm. Uh, that is to say, certain things certain things follow naturally as a result of the actions uh, you know that you that you uh, the decisions that you make and the the steps that you take um, uh, the actions that you perform and and that those sort of th- those come back to affect you um, but that you know that there isn't yeah. there yeah. isn't this sort of there isn't this sort of grand meaning uh, to all of it, and yes, yeah, skin sort of succ- succumbs to that. Um, you know what I kept thinking of at the last bit when Tony gets hit by a truck? Um, mm-hmm. uh, I ke- I kept thinking of the scene like near the end of The Matrix when Hugo Weaving is there holding Keanu Reeves while the the the, the um, what is it? A train is coming, right? And uh, he says, "You know, uh, do you hear that, Mr. Anderson? It is the sound of inevitability you know uh, mm-hmm. the, you know the truck is the truck is um barreling down on you and and I thought of kind of narrative inevitability and the idea that like uh, a character has to be punished for the for the bad things they do, which is was sort of sentimental. you know what I mean, in a way that I guess we can't we can't get behind um as being, you know, the kind of storytelling That we, we enjoy and enjoy thinking about
0: That's interesting I, I interpreted the, the truck in a different way Which is that At this point, like the moment That Tony Tony Stonem, as we have known this character The moment that he picks up the phone And says, Michelle I've always loved you Like, I want to change, I can be good At that point, Tony Stonem has died You know The yeah. character is gone So having him get hit by a truck is is just sort of... It's not that he's being punished for his wrongs. It's just that, like, the the character has come to an end. Whether as a biological entity it has come to an end or not, the character is gone. So you might as well hit him with a truck. Uh, That was my reading of it. Yeah. Um, So,
1: okay. So, uh, you know, this sort of... um, This sort of Soviet comparison that Ryan and I were making last time uh, about... um, and about how the 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 field trip to um to russia to post Soviet russia uh can function sort of as a as a um, cautionary tale uh for tony because the the sort of governance of satellite states uh won't won't work you know as an ongoing strategy uh for <laughs> for how he interacts with his friends um, <laughs> you know this this seems to be borne out in in the michelle episode um you know with Tony's scheme to take uh uh naked pictures of Abigail and uh, get Josh's phone and send them to Michelle um from Josh's phone right this is a classic that, that of, eventually you will this is this seems to me to be a classic like KGB disinformation campaign right
0: mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. is that sure, is to sure. say, I mean not like even a, yeah not even necessarily a KGB. It's, it's like it's the uh, the Zimmerman telegram, right? Sure. Yes. It's like it's a, a, a classic, a classic espionage trick, which works to a certain degree. Right. Like he, he gets his short term goal accomplished. Michelle, uh, Michelle totally bins. Uh, what's his name? Josh. But then uh, there are consequences to his action. And that's kind of, I mean, that's a, that's a big turning point for him, is that there are consequences which he doesn't think of as merely interesting. You know, he, he's, he's like legitimately scared and legitimately concerned and legitimately hurt. There's a, a physical limit beyond which you can't just think of it as another sensation. You're actually scared and in pain. Which I feel like, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense in some ways, but... Uh, I, you almost kind of want the, the Tony character, or I want the Tony character to be more true to his principles than that. To, to like, you know, when, uh, when Josh is uh, wailing on him to sort of be like, man, I really got to you with this, didn't I? You know, you're, you are reacting in a very interesting way. <laughs> He's sort
1: of yeah. Don't, well, you know what? In the first episode, we we see him reading on the toilet. Uh, Sartre's nausea, right? Mm-hmm. And and we want him to experience a moment of existential nausea at this point, right? Like the famous scene in Sartre's nausea when the the. Um, is it told in the first person? Yeah, the narrator of that book stabs himself in the hand and watches the blood trickle down his hand uh, so, and he's sort of disassociated from his own experience so he's kind of outside himself observing this thing happen mm-hmm. to himself rather th- rather than like experiencing it as, oh, pain, you know, oh, I hurt myself, you know, oh, that hurts. Uh, he's sort of experiencing it kind of mm-hmm. just as just as existence without putting any, with uh, you know, I mean, the idea of existential nausea is that you, you sort of come into contact with uh, existence Unmediated by the essence or by your ideas about anything, um, uh, anything that, that you encounter. And yeah, I mean, when that wouldn't that be sort of sort of interesting, right? When when um, uh, you know that's that's um, that's the that's the Gospel according to John, right? Like that's the crucifixion in the Gospel according to John, right? Like uh, as Jesus is being crucified in that in that you know fourth Gospel, the sort of. Uh, um, Oh, um, uh, the sort of most kind of theoretical and philosophical of them. It's that, that like, that is the moment of his greatest triumph. You know oh, in the shield what 's his name armadillo says the sa- says the same thing you know uh, each of my scars is a triumph. this one is just my greatest after uh, after Vic has yeah. burned, burned his face on the stove um, you know yeah, I mean that would be better <laughs> wouldn 't that be better uh, <laughs> wouldn 't that be sort of more interesting storytelling The interesting thing i mean I, honestly it wasn 't the the Tony Maxi sex act that sort of got me with that. It was the Effie sex act right the the idea that this was sort of uh, Again, we find ourselves on these fucking teenagers um, in in some pretty ugly territory because it was sort of date rape malicious the uh, the situation that that Effie was in it was unclear whether i guess no one had had uh, had sex with her in her you know pharmaceutically compromised state, but you know this this happened on Gossip Girl. Uh, Earlier, when Jenny was sort of drugged and brought by a bachelor party and kind of offered up for, uh, you know, offered up for for gang rape, uh, essentially. Mm -hmm. And and that this was like it was it was kind of glossed over, uh, uh, you know, and this was like revenge uh, perpetrated on her by one of the other girls. Um, It was kind of glossed over. But it's it's truly horrifying like, yeah. and, and not just, you know what I mean? Not just in sort of man's general inhumanity to man. Not just in, in the sense of how how mean can people be. It's truly horrifying to, like, uh, essentially yeah. kidnap so, uh, kidnap someone and, uh, you on, know. On a, on a
0: visceral uh, Yeah. Like, uh, on, on a visceral level. While you're watching it, you are horrified. It's not, you're being like, oh, my God, teenagers today are just running wild, right? Yeah. You're like, you are, you are sincerely worried for Effie. Which, and I mean, and then in a way, I always, I'm. You know, I mean you you know, most people who read this go to the go to our website know I watch a lot of horror movies, right? And let me tell you, it is a common tactic to up the ante by threatening sexual violence to one of the female characters. And like that that continues to work on me as a viewer, but it's gotten to the point where it angers me as a viewer because Like, I've realized just how cheap a manipulation that is.
1: Outside, it angers you outside of the context of your sort of identifying with the characters and, and wanting to see them prevail.
0: Yeah, like, typically while I'm watching it, I'm just worried. And then afterwards, I go back and I think about it, and I'd be like, man, again with this? Like, honestly... And and I, I feel like it can't be good for our larger society to to use it as sort of a a panic button like that, you know, to get the audience to panic. But but there it is, right? I mean, well, you
1: know, it, it, I mean, I know you and I part company on this, but but you know that that I think that this is this is appealing to some much darker interest in uh, in the society. Um, you know what I mean? If it didn't work, right? Uh, it. It, you wouldn't keep seeing it over and over, over mm-hmm. and over and over in su- in such a variety of of contexts. Uh, you know, from I mean, from television where the actual kind of graphic imagery is uh, is where the actual imagery is not as graphic. I mean to say, but where where some of the implications are sort of equally horrifying sometimes, and and, and not even like SVU, which is is relatively tame by the standards of a show like. Some of the some of the more recent procedurals like CSI or like uh, Criminal Minds, which goes into great mm. fetishistic detail about the the, kind oh, yeah. of the, the serial killers and the, the the specifics of the violence that they they inflict on their victims, many of whom are are sort of of uh, nubile women. I suppose you know we shouldn't be we shouldn't be surprised. Uh, by the connection between violence and sexual violence, because they 've been like you know until until recently where where kind of a light is shined on it and everyone is sort of rightly horrified by it, uh, it was assumed that that uh that rape, for example, was part of the spoils of war, you know, and that, um, yeah, that like, you know, going on the crusades, this was a great inducement, you know, and, and actually was an explicit inducement to the, you know, to kind of, uh, uh get, get people to kind of enlist in your wars. That you, you know, you go off and conquer some saracens and rape their virgins and, you know, and, and things like this. So, I guess, I mean, is I that guess- a okay?
0: fact? Yeah, Do people actually advertise for that. Uh,
1: I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to kind of dig deep to find a site for it. But, but um, uh, you know, I recall reading some, uh, you know, some bit of history where that was that was sort of that was part of the come on. Uh, well, not
0: well, that... color, color me appalled. <laughs> that is, that is, congratulations. You have successfully made the crusades seem like less of a good thing than I already thought. They were. <laughs> <laughs> load up on
1: swords bring your friends let's go and kill some (laughs) saracens um yeah uh Oh, that this kind of, okay, so for Tony, like, to circle way back, for Tony, this kind of disinformation tactic is is ultimately self-defeating, you know what I mean? That, like, you, mm-hmm. you can push and push and push only up to a point. It's, it's funny, you were talking about kind of the, the limits of, the, uh, you know, the limits of aesthetic experience, like, at a certain point, at a certain point, it hurts. Um, uh, though there, Interesting, there was that, what was the name of that, uh, Marina... Abramovich, something like that. Uh, a performance artist who recently had a uh, retrospective at, I think, the Guggenheim, um, and, and a lot of her performances uh, uh, involve self mutilation and, like, are, are sort of like uh, are sort of uh, horrifying to the people who, who watch them. Um, you know, uh, and um, actually, she she a product of, of uh, the Soviet Union. Uh, as a, as a girl as well. Uh, it all ties together, you see. Um You know, she talks about like, well, the aesthetic, the aesthetic experience actually carries me beyond pain, but you're talking about like, there's a, there's a limit for Tony when, when it, when, um, when you stop being polite and start getting real, uh, when the, when the aesthetic experience, (laughs) when the, when the aesthetic experience kind of, kind of gives way to an authentic experience, uh, emotional experience that can't be denied, denied like one of
0: terror, um, but um sure. Again, it, it comes back to Sartre, right? That he says, like you, you, are truly alive in that you experience nausea and boredom, which makes really the Jersey Shore is the greatest art that our generation has produced. It may be the truest.
1: I mean, it may be an even truer document of our culture than even Gossip Girl.
0: Yeah. Right. Like. <laughs> I mean. Of, I, but yeah. I mean, definitely. I I see what you're saying about the um, Tony's kind of. Manipulative, great game in in the Rudyard Kipling sense, right? Uh, of of his uh, his way of moving in the world with his friends. That backfires on him hard, because uh, you know what he learns is that you cannot actually judge everybody's reactions to your, your provocations. Sometimes they will snap back and harm you, right? Yeah, which is well- something that many. Many nations could stand to learn, I suppose. At well, that, some point.
1: that sort of Soviet Russia could, uh, uh, you know, kind of had to learn in a sense that, like this, this, um, this command and control method, this method of command and control, could only could only take you so far. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, all right, so uh, so Effie, date rape, delicious. Um, so uh, Anwar and Maxi, I I think that this is where. This is where Maxie sitting outside the club while Anwar's party is. Is where Gab got the impression that that Maxi was um, was ostracized. But I, I thought that that was a much more kind of local uh, phenomenon that had to do with um, that had to do with Anwar and potentially his father not accepting uh, the fact that Maxie is gay. Uh,
0: and yeah, yeah, I think that I mean in a way it points to either a weakness of the show or just a trait of the show, that these episodes are much more standalone than you even think going in, right? You'd imagine, with everything that's gone down, that Maxie might be holding himself apart because he's still hung up over, like, his, uh, this sex thing with Tony. But really it seems to be just about, uh, will Anwar come clean to his family that Maxie is gay? Right? Yeah. Like that, that, that's how I, that's how I experienced and by that. You know,
1: and kind of by extension, will Anwar sort of admit to himself, like really sort of internalize the knowledge that, that Maxi is gay rather than sure. kind of, sure. rather than kind of uh, rebuffing him as a friend. Ra- I mean, rather than kind of being stuck between the poles of rebuffing him as a friend or sort of denying a crucial fact about his identity. Can he, can he sort of integrate this whole knowledge into his friend? And, you know um, it's, you know, it's funny. Like Kurt's dad on glee, I I thought that the the um, you know the the Muslim father Anwar's Muslim father's answer, uh, uh, which is essentially, look, you know, I'm a guy with a lot of religious certainty, and I'm very grateful for that. But uh, it's a complicated world, and there are things that I don't understand, and I struggle with those things. I trust in the fullness of time that those will be made clear to me. But at the moment, Meh, what can I do? Um, yeah. uh, kind of rhymes with Kurt's dad's. Um, Acceptance of his uh, of his son's being gay, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. Sort of points. The, I mean, I think it points the way towards a kind of a, a, a more hopeful model for. Uh, parents and their gay kids, uh, which is you know, which is look, I, I, which is neither sort of uh, overly sentimental and kind of treacly, and I'm okay, you're okay, and like let's all you know hold hands under a uh, under a smiling rainbow flag, right? But um, but is not uh, is not sort of like uh, you know violent ostracism and and uh, you know I have no son and and things like this, sure. things like this either. That, you know there there's a space to say yeah, I kind of don't get it and like uh on account of my upbringing, it rankles me. But uh you know there are more things in heaven and earth and Mm -hmm. I you know I'm I'm not gonna (laughs) I'm not gonna presume to know everything.
0: You know I, I thought this is something that um as a person who is not religious I may be kind of um stepping over a line here but I thought that it was really great when he said that like it is because of my faith That I am able to accept this thing that, you know, that, that doesn't make sense to me, that bothers me. Like, even though my God would say that it is wrong, I know that there are things which, like, my God has not told me yet, so I can't pretend to know everything and I can't judge you. I thought that was like that was really like a beautiful declaration. But then again, it's like maybe I'm completely missing the point of what faith is about because it's no. not something I have. Well, I think
1: that it's well, religious faith, you know. I mean, the yeah, uh, yeah. you know what I mean? Um the uh, I, I you know, I mean, I know you to be I know you to be an upstanding guy who worries about things like, you know, being a good dude. So uh, like you have faith in something. <laughs> you know, oh. you know what I mean? Even if it's not even if it's not a mystical man in the sky. Um Uh, Yeah, but I mean, I think that this is actually, uh, uh, you know... this is actually, uh, without tipping my own hand too much, I think this is actually something when religion is done right, one of the things that it does is it makes people realize that they are not in fact God, you know, and Mm -hmm. that every little thought that passes through their head does not have the, you know, does not have the full force of like, you know, divine will behind it, and that that maybe you're wrong about things, and maybe there are things that you you don't understand. I mean, the the, um, you know, the famous kind of uh, Judeo-Christian biblical quote, you know, vengeance... Vengeance is mine," saith the Lord, means that it's not yours, you know, <laughs>
0: and, yeah. that, and that you should probably it's very, very often misappropriate right? Yeah, like, well, I, right I feel exactly. like there are probably a bunch of people who have that as their like, their their call sign in uh in Counter Strike or something like that. <laughs> They're like, "Oh, vengeance is mine," saith the Lord. <laughs> Suck it, <laughs> and you will hey, know my me, name uh, is the Lord. This. Yeah. <laughs> right. Is this the first instance in Skin so far of good parenting that we have seen? Yes, yeah, bar none. Right? Who else? Yeah, kind, who, kind of interesting there, right? Who, who
1: else has? Yeah, and that is that is the sort of the Muslim parent who who to, uh, the, who Anwar is worried is just not going to get it. And who, you know what, I mean, who is revealed to be strict and kind of prickly, but you know what, who is revealed to have good reasons for that. Like the guy works hard. He works nights, you know, like he wants to, he wants to do well by his family. He loves his wife and wants to give her nice things. Like uh, every motive Mm -hmm. he has is absolutely creditable. And, um, you know, even if it, even if it kind of frustrates him or kind of makes him hard to deal with at times, you know, guys, you know, he's a righteous guy. You know?
0: Yes. Yeah. And and while like I mean he he seems very strict with uh, with his son um, you know and he's like saying like I don't really want to be doing this birthday party for you I don't think that it's like it's a necessary thing but then when uh, when his his brother in law Munir right who by the way is Munir is my favorite character of all time <laughs> um, when Munir is like giving giving Anwar a hard time and like bring like playing this this prank about it being his marriage to his cousin from Pakistan like. Everyone else is laughing, and Anwar's father, like, clearly realizes how horrified Anwar has been by this. And he's, like, mouthing under his breath, I'm going to kill him, I'm going to kill him, I'm going to
1: kill him. <laughs> so, Like,
0: he obviously does care for his son very, yeah. very deeply, you know? Which is uh, it was, it was a nice little moment, I thought.
1: As much as he wants his son to, to shape up, you know?
0: Uh, <laughs> sure, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's nice, it's nice, you know, to see Anwar get a little tail in the end. You know what I mean? Like,
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh nothing against that. Uh, nothing against
1: that. <laughs> huh, honestly, you know what I mean? Who's not a, uh, you know, who's not a Russian bride who is complicit in a, uh, you know, I don't know, in a scheme to defraud the, the English tourists or something, eh, something like that. You know,
0: it's also interesting because I feel like, there's been relatively little tail-getting in Skins that wasn't horrible in some way or other, you know, that wasn't complicit in some way. Whereas this was, like, you know, two people who are comfortable with what they're doing, and they say, like, you know, there's not, like, a lot of strings attached here, but we would like to go off and make out for a long time in the bathroom. And, like, and it just happens. No one, like, walks in on them and embarrasses them. There's no consequences to it. Um, which is, I mean, maybe in some ways that's, like... You know, horrible view of sex because it seems so just consequence-free. But I think that the the alternate view that you get so often on television, which is that every sex act must be a dramatic, life-changing experience, probably of a horrific variety, is equally dangerous, right? Sure. Like, you, you ought to give equal time to the idea that sex can be something that consenting adults do for fun. And yeah, or this even, is again, I mean, like,
1: or even the, uh, or, you know, or that even these fucking teenagers, I mean, consenting, you know what I mean? Uh, consenting, uh, physically and mentally, mature. yeah. Men- <laughs> mentally, mature people, you know what I mean? Or, yeah, or, or at least pubescent, we hope, uh, <laughs> people. Yeah. That it's not all sort of Jenny getting deflowered by, uh, Jenny getting deflowered by Chuck. Um, yeah, uh, you know, it's funny. There's a lot of sex and gossip girl, but it's it's all kind of recreational. You know what I mean? It's not a, you know, it's not an expression, it's not even necessarily expression an expression of mutual pleasure. Uh or rather the pleasure that is taken in it is is akin to the pleasure that's taken in having
0: nice things. Um, mm-hmm. you know, rather than <laughs> <laughs> I'm just picturing someone being like, you see, you see, this is why we can't have nice sex Uh yeah, in the first episode, Cassie
1: sort of offers, uh, uh, herself to Sid almost offhand, like, and you'll have to do it soon because I'm about to pass out because I took a, I, I took a load of pills at this party before, you know, and, and this is, this is something there is, I, I hate to be like an old fuddy-duddy, you know, um, being you know, long past my own teenage years, but like there, there's something sort of alienated about this where, where it's kind of like, where it's kind of like our bodies are, are instruments, you know what I mean? Rather than, mm-hmm. rather than, uh, being sort of, uh, integrated into a whole, whole a holistic concept of, of personhood
0: Right? Sure, right, right And I feel like this uh, I mean, I don't know, it's not a sex act this, this make-out session that Anwar has Is more holistic It's like, they're both there This is what they both want to do And, uh, and they do it There's no instrumentality involved there That I can see, at least Yeah, exac- exactly
1: um, Who knows, maybe maybe this character will come back uh, in In series two yeah, well, we can only hope, right? Well, what what do you think? Do you, Do you want to offer yourselves to us before the the load of pills you take cause you to pass out? Uh, <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> if so, you can you can email us at tftpodcast at dot com. You can call twenty uh, fat jog zero one. That's two zero three two eight five six four zero one, or text us. Uh, at that number, 203-285-6401. Follow us on the Twitters at Podcast. Uh, subscribe on iTunes. Hey, leave a, leave a review on iTunes. Um, we show up for good key- keywords like Glee or Gossip Girl, but it would be great if, uh, it'd be great if you, um, uh, if you left a review there because I, I think that the recent reviews kind of surface shows up to the top of their listings. And you know what? You would do us a great favor. If you turned a friend on to this show, um, if you told them about it and, and made them subscribe and download so that our <laughs> stats are artificially inflated uh, and maybe they can uh, turn friends on to it and, and things like this. Um, you know, whether uh, whether you do it, you know, because you like the show, whether you do it because you like us, whether you do it because you uh, you like Gossip Girl or Glee or you like skins. Whether, whether, you,
0: <laughs> whether you do it because you hate your friend and want them to suffer <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, it can be a Tony
1: it can be a Tony-esque um you know uh, kind of kind of manipulation. Uh do it anyway, you know? Do it because uh, and, and when you do it, say vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. <laughs> in fact, if you could incorporate that into all emails and voicemails and reading responses that you send in from now on, I think we would be very um uh very pleased by that. Um well, I've consumed a whole balloon glass fill filled with uh cheap trader joe's red wine on at this uh <laughs> on this podcast. Uh I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have, Jordan.
0: Oh, it has been a blast.
1: <laughs> uh, it's been a blast for us, but more than that it's been a blast for these fucking Fuck teenagers. Teenagers.